Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. WWE crowns its first, maybe, women's tag team champions. There was a there's a history of the tag champions that goes beyond this, but they did. Uh, NXT, more call-ups. On a very interesting Raw and SmackDown 48 hours. My emotions up and down like a roller coaster because by the end of Monday night, I was utterly defeated and ready to quit this show. And then by Tuesday, I'm like, well, you know what? I can live with it. With me, as always, Chris Novembrino. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> I heard we were supposed to have Shake Them Ropes Theater. What was going to be in oh. Shake Them Ropes Theater? And did you know that I I am one of the great actors? We might be able to still do Shake Them. We might be able to do Shake Them Ropes Theater as we talk. Okay. Um, because it, it's it, it's an interesting concept, at least. But yes, Raw had the return of NXT High School, an old Shake Them Ropes bit from long ago, with all the new NXT people going, "Hey, I'm the new guy here." So we could always do a Shake Them Ropes theater about that. Um, I'm still trying to process what is going on with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. I liked both Elimination Chamber matches a lot, and I probably liked the women's Elimination Chamber more than most people. I adored this thing. I, I don't want smooth wrestling in something called an Elimination Chamber. I want a fight. I want hard-hitting action. I got all of that. Um... There wasn't a weak link to be had in this match, I didn't think. I think every team got its shine, especially the goofy. <laughs> they had to rebuild the Iconics a bit, and I think they did in some ways, even though they were still kind of the goofballs in the match. But I loved everything they did. They come in the cage, they get a little frightened, they go, nah, it's not about us. Go in their pod. Tamina comes by, hits the pod, scares the crap out of them. They come in, they start pinning people they can't get one they do a great double team pin on uh naomi i thought and then and then they become horror horror movie uh victims i i I thought everything they did was fantastic but uh overall i thought this match had a lot to it it had a lot of violence and look for everything if you want hot takes i was on fightful right after so so that'll be your blow by blow if you want to go there but i have criticize the WWE a lot for these big moments and botching them. I criticize them for the Flair, Becky, Sasha triple threat at Mania that was overbooked with Ric Flair basically sexually assaulting Becky at one point and interfering to help Charlotte win. I criticize them about the Money in the Bank ladder match, which I thought should have been a historic moment that they gave to James Ellsworth. They did this one right and they got it right and Hopefully it helps build up Bailey and Sasha back to 
prominence, and hopefully they do something creative with these belts. I love the thought of them going to NXT and, say, defending them against the Sky Pirates. I'm down with that kind of match. I'd love for them to bring indie talent in for a one-shot just to get a rub. I, I really liked this match a lot, Chris. I am not as hot on it as you are, although I liked the iconic spot. I think that they chose the right team at the finish. I thought that the match opened up and took a while to get started, and I found the padding on the outside of the elimination chamber to be a bit jarring um, because I kept hearing in my mind the Paul Heyman line about how in a cage match, the star of the match is a cage, and... It was hard for the cage to really be featured, um, although they got better at that as the match went on. But I, you know, the, the, the cage didn't exude um, toughness, so I don't know. I I found the padding to, on the outside to be jarring, and I know it's for their own safety and everything like that. But like, it's always been about those metal bars on the outside, and a lot of promos actually for many many years featured the "you've never wrestled until you've taken the metal bars in the on the outside of the steel cage." So. That was yeah, uh, you know, that was it a was weird t- absence for me. It was too much, though. I mean, the the problem is the real problem. I know is it's they not have... safe. I'm aware. Well, <laughs> it's just they made it a feature of like what the elimination chamber is about. Well, it's not just that. They if if they were smart, they would not have a pay per view in between Rumble and Mania, and would just build the Mania and just do a nice slow build building up all these matches, making us really want these things. We have two pay-per-views in between now. This one gets lost in the shuffle. I agree with you. No, this one is the one that ends up screwing up Mania half the time because people would land on these metal bars and get hurt and injure themselves. So, I mean, I don't mind the toned-down version of, of, of the Elimination Chamber as much as you do. Um... You know, I I think people should probably change their styles if they were ever going to bring that metal version back, because you know you don't want guys taking flat. Right. Well, no, I I mean, in the way you sell those metal bar spots, needs to be much bigger. No, I I agree. I I think you do change the style. I, I you you don't throw yourself around, and when you sell on those metal bars, you make it sell like death. But that's just a whole stylistic approach difference thing. And then the men's one was just fantastic oh boy i i the closing stretch here with kofi and daniel bryan was just outstanding and i really you know what as weird as it is i just love the scripting of jeff hardy hits a big move kind of loses his focus for a moment gets rko'd in his or gets need he got need by daniel bryan and get and and is just taken out i liked that i mean i didn't need to see jeff hardy Last a long time in the Elimination Chamber. I thought Randy that was Orton, fine. Same thing. He also yeah. has the easiest job in the company, as I've been saying here. He gets <laughs> to come in. He gets to do an RKO. He gets to play his cover song. And he gets to bounce. But uh, this was about building up Kofi Kingston as a legitimate contender. And I think it did its job. I I argued a little bit back and forth about the no water in the pool spot. I, you know, and whether or not commentary should be burying him a little bit you know especially the heel if he has the upper hand don't go don't go for it all or nothing you know be smart about it but uh this is one of those cases i think this kind of spot works to to his advantage i and uh you know that's a very old school wrestling spot like sting 
would have that yeah. spot happen to him a lot when he was still, you know, babyface. Ow, Sting. <laughs> Do that again? Uh, no. I, I, <laughs> you, can, you can just hit rewind. Hit the 15 seconds back spot. Uh, no, um, but, you know, Kofi has always been that guy. Look, I, I remember watching uh, the Randy Orton botch live when uh, Orton really started yelling at him in the middle of the match calling him stupid and being very uncomfortable with it. And, and so, I, I, I mean, he's been waiting for this for a number of years. Um, it's going to be interesting because, spoiler alert, on SmackDown, he was named the number one contender who's getting the title shot at uh, Fastlane, which I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see if, if this momentum continues or if people kind of tune out because they think he has no chance at a B pay-per-view before Mania. Yeah, and, and I think you almost have to tease that this thing's going all the way to Mania in order to get people to bite on this at Fastlane. I, I just, I, I think they're going to want other stuff for the New Day. No, I know. I, I, I don't, and that's why I don't think anyone's going to bite. Um, I, yeah. No, I, 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 th- I think you really have to commit to leading people on down this hypothetical alternate path where Kofi is chasing the title all the way to WrestleMania. Even if yeah. you're going to, you know, cut and run afterwards. And it, and it's their move to break him off of New Day if that happens, that he gets the singular focus. That's why I'm also not going to bite on it. Right. Probably. No, no, no. He would have to give Xavier and Big E like a speech of, hey, I need to do my own thing for a minute here. I need to do this. This is, this is a solo mission. Other than that, uh, the solo matches really didn't do too much for me. You had some title changes, but they were, I mean, but everything on this show was pretty much addressed on Monday and Tuesday night, so we can go into that. A very interesting call, Lafayette, Louisiana, the most minor city in the next eight weeks leading up to Mania. They decide we're going to have four of our biggest NXT stars debut. Oh, yeah, you complain when they don't do anything good for the small towns, and then they do something good for the small towns, and here you are complaining again. Classic Hawkins. I'm not <laughs> I, I didn't complain yet. Um, it's gonna. It was come. coming. It, and it's not. I'm not gonna complain about WWE necessarily. I'm gonna complain about Lafayette, Louisiana, and I'm going to break with tradition and crowd shame a bit. I think these people were expecting like the Undertaker or Brock or whatever, but they don't have a deep roster anymore. It's very weird. So we're going to bring in these NXT guys, even though we have six acts we haven't built yet from NXT that we just called up. So on this Monday Night Raw, we're going to have Aleister Black, Ricochet, Gargano, and Ciampa. Okay, I'm I'm down with that. I, I, that first hour, I'm excited. My- Aleister Black is supposed to be your new Undertaker. Embrace oh, him, people. Oh, is he? Yes. Is he? Because I'm, yes. I'm going to get into... Well, he ne- he needs to get better at doing the lifty thing. He had like a little, you know, spinal tappy moment there tonight. Um, I thought everybody looked good, but I thought Ricochet was obviously the big star coming out of this, especially in the match with uh, with, with Finn Balor against Bo- the reunited Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. <laughs> well, that, that, we uh, don't need to explain that. 
They're just yeah. they're just okay. I mean, I, there is a way to sort of quickly explain this in the future and sort of do a retcon on it where Bobby Lashley starts really bullying Leo Rush. And we kind of get the vibe that like Lashley is kind of dominating him now. All you gotta do is say, "Hey, I lost my temper. I'm I'm sorry. Let's make up." You know. Yeah, but that's <laughs> what a baby face does. And, and what I'm saying is, as a heel, the the response is Bobby goes and re raises. I I thought second place obviously went to uh, Champa and, and Gargano. But let me ask you this, Chris, because I got <laughs> I did a poll today. And it went uh, three to one the other way that I thought it would. But I asked, okay, if they're going to do this with Gargano and Champa as a tag team, as DIY, basically talking about DIY, if if why don't we just do the do the babyface thing? Why don't we just forget about all the history in NXT and bring them up as a babyface to face the revival and really put them over? As and then we'll do the turn here you know, on the main roster eventually. Because what we've been doing with NXT talent is we've been trying to have it both ways. We've been trying to tell the origin story while using the intellectual capital that we've gained from building them all these years down on NXT, and it hasn't worked, especially if you look at someone like Bailey, who they weren't sure should we just do a basic, okay, She's going to go back and be super fan and we're going to build her up again as lovable underdog. Or do we give her the credibility of being the NXT women's champion? And, and it just, and they kind of played both sides against the middle and failed here. It's weird because you have these two in the middle of a heel turn and there's nothing wrong with heel versus heel matches. I like them, but you're debuting these guys against the revival and they're working baby face ish yes. but still retaining clear facets of their heel characters and doing things that can only be described as heelish but when they're up against the revival in the ring or up against the bar in the ring tonight they are clearly operationally baby face and they're also playing the uh, tension between the two story at the same time. So you have three different things working here. And you're telling basically a completely new crowd a lot of different stories instead of a clear one. I mean, can you imagine for the people of Lafayette, Indiana? Like, how, What do you make of Johnny Louisiana. Gargano and... Yes, uh, Louisiana. What do you make of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa if you've never seen them before? Tommaso seems kind of weird and obsessed with his title. And Johnny comes off as edgy, but sort of like a baby face, but weirdly edgy and prickly and just a little off. And and commentary is putting him over as Johnny Takeover, the guy who has matches of the year every year. It, it's it's so it was such a weird It's a weird chapter to start yeah. the book on. Uh-huh. No, I, I agree. It it's it was very weird, but I liked the match more than the Man, crowd the match did. is really good. I, <laughs> I actually rewatched it today, and it was even better. I was like, this is a good match. The finish is damn strange for a number of different reasons. You have, like, babyface DIY and all of that, but then we're trying to build the Revival as this dominant team, and certainly... Inside of the match, the Revival looked good, but I actually think it's too early for them to have this type of match in this tag team push. I think they need to be made to look a little bit stronger here. And then they lost. And 
that really sort of leaves them in a weird place where, like, I, I mean, you can rebuild it, but now we're talking about, you know, weeks rebuild with the revival. And then before this match, we had NXT High School. The young kids in there, the, the, the other kids who are like sophomores taunting them, and then the seniors coming in. So here we go. Unscripted and unplanned. Shake Them Ropes Theater presents. I've got this. NXT High School. Hey, Johnny. Man, you know, junior high was great, but now we're freshmen in high school. Man, we're going to be running this joint. Soon enough, Tommaso, this place is going to be all ours. Hey, look, there's that nerd, Chad Gable. But where's Jason Jordan? Is he off with his dad? Nah, man, I found my new friend. You remember Bobby Roode? He's the high school quarterback. We're the cool guys here now. And you guys, you guys don't deserve to be here like we do. We put our time in freshman year. We're sophomores now. Man, Bobby Roode. I remember when he was champion. What are you doing now, Bobby Roode? <laughs> I thought you were going to be Bobby Roode. Oh, am I supposed to be Bobby Roode? <laughs> Alexa Bliss? Wait a second. Who wants to help me on the prom committee this year? Oh, we will. We're the Revival. We're seniors now. You guys, you guys can fight over the underclass women. We're going with the college girls. Gonna bring them to prom this year. Except for that moody kid over there who's sacrificing a dog. Who's that? Oh, oh that's Alistair Black. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I've been, I've been Alistair Black. I, I haven't, I've been silent. Uh, I've been avoiding dialogue because whenever you come in and do dialogue for me, it just doesn't work out all that much. Oh, uh, uh, I just, that that was the thing that I took away also was, that's Alistair Black. He's moody. <laughs> what, what is he, emo? Is he Raven? Either the Teen Titans character or the wrestler? Is he just some moody, They are leaning teen? in hard on this idea that he is moody and brooding and, like, the quintessential gray character. It, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting for WWE to start off with the idea that he's not a good guy or a bad guy and not in the Roman Reigns thing. Like, he's a gray character. He sits in between good and evil, kind of a chaotic figure. I'll take that, but I don't know, you know if they. You're... I don't know if they have the commitment. They don't do it well, right? They don't right. They, they, this could work, and this universe could certainly thrive with a character like that who can be a wild card. But we saw that with Dean Ambrose, and it didn't exactly work out. And and remember what Champa and, and Gargano said tonight after SmackDown after beating the Bar, which was another good match. I thought they're here to cause chaos. No, they're, they're... here to take over. <laughs> They're, oh, they said they're here to take over? Okay, yes. you're right. I knew, I knew it was one of the tropes. It's either take over or cause chaos. Uh- <laughs> they want to show that NXT is the best brand in the world. It's all about demonstrating the greatness of brands. But, yeah, no, I don't mind if they beat the Revival. I just mind that they beat the Revival the week after the Revival win the tag team titles. Exactly. That's that's the issue. you got to build up the credibility because everybody's lost faith in the Revival as top guys because they've been getting beat by the Lucha House Party for weeks. And then the it, second it, it, part is what's the end game of this Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano as DIY sort of. Yeah, but there'll be an announcement Wednesday, so we'll see what happens there because it just might be all four of these guys are up. Tommaso gets stripped of his title. Yeah, it kind of tells you something that they thought they lacked star power on a card where they had Braun Strowman. 
And Braun Strowman. Who My, got how the mighty a, have fallen. Who got in put a very a literal table way. The previous night. Yeah. yeah. Put through a table the previous night. Back here doing a long, drawn out match with Baron Corbin to put him through a table to get that receipt. I just went, what? This wasn't even that bad of a match. This is the thing. I feel bad because I usually hate on Corbin, and I didn't hate this match, but I was sitting there and thinking, what the hell is Braun Strowman doing having his umpteenth match with Baron Corbin? Yeah, I I just, I I, I mean, I I didn't get... It wasn't a bad match. It really wasn't. It wasn't a bad match, but why are you doing this for a follow-up? I just, it, it was so, you know, have... Braun off for a week to sell the table, double table spot. You know, have the heels. <laughs> I just the rest of this raw was. They just like sort weird of broke up me. that faction, right? Like, like they because yeah. you sort of back up from the Leo Rush thing, and we just hit the reset button, and Bobby Lashley never reunited with Baron Corbin. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Speaking of receipts, I think uh, I think both Ronda and Charlotte are going to have a few for. Uh, Becky, one of these days, for taking these crutch shots that were just, whew. Liberties. <laughs> she was, Liberties she were was, taken. She was laying them in. Let's put it that way. And and it's not like Ronda also She must have just Charlotte. talked in a Stone Cold Steve Austin. She's working snug. <laughs> well, Charlotte is owed a few by Ronda for the kendo stick shots. But, yeah, it was one of those things where I think for Ronda, I think Ronda was just bouncing around too much and she couldn't find you know one of nice... them Rhonda rolled right into yeah and then oh man did you, you did you see the picture of charlotte's arm no i didn't it is br- it is purple it was just it was gross looking how many shots she took so so we have that we had the return of comedian dean ambrose i I died. He's wacky. The- I, I mean, the, n- nothing is better than Seth Rollins as a straight man. He just nails it. And Jeff, I know you are into improv comedy and teaching fundamentals of comedy. So break down why Seth Rollins is such a good straight man. Because <laughs> he called out the reality of the scene. He looked at him and he went, why are you here right now? And Dean was like, oh, I'm, I'm not supposed to be talking to you. We're enemies. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a meta character as a Greek chorus right now, calling out the inanities of continuity. <laughs> I loved, I'll tell you what I love. I loved the, the the almost, I have to be doing this, when he slapped, when he slapped Drew McIntyre and did the eye roll like, I'm Bugs Bunny, here we go, <laughs> and just ran away. I, I'm like, dude is playing his string out to the end, but at the same time, checked out. <laughs> I both loved and hated it because it was just like... Well, it made Drew McIntyre look like an idiot. He had this opportunity to take Seth Rollins' spot at WrestleMania and instead was like, no, 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 no. Dean Ambrose hit me. I need to get closure on this. I can't be mad, though, at the Drew-Seth thing. I don't know why. I, I hated it at first, and the more I watched it, the more I'm like, all right, I'm slightly amused by it. But I, it's also pissing me off that they're doing that. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I'm the dumb guy who just, I'm, I'm such a weird heel that, oh, yeah, that was last week. Well, this is this week. It's a different reality. Very strange. And I will say, now that we're talking about all these NXT call-ups, I think the one thing that these do is step on people like EC3 in a substantial way. Oh, well, I mean, EC3 was held off. We have... 
let, let's take a look at the former class of NXT call-ups that we had. We have Nikki Cross shooting stuff for the website in a in a shower in in the in the arena watching videos of of the uh, elimination chamber really not doing much because she's already turned heel and face three times I think while being up there we have EC3 we have Lacey Evans who's just coming out and walking which is something it, it is certainly at least I thought we had an interesting wrinkle where she came out and walked in front of heavy machinery last night and I thought she was going to be their manager for a moment which not great, but boy, after that heavy machinery promo, I was ready for anything else and any sort of twist in these characters. But that's not what we're doing with Lacey Evans. Uh, they're brothers now, right? In they continuity. are blue collar solid, and they are known blue for collar. getting the job done. Little brother, big brother, little this brother. was the epitome of WWE overscripting. Using phrases that no one uses, like blue collar solid is a phrase that I have never run into in <laughs> the natural world. And most of all, okay, we have all of them, and Lars Sullivan is persona non grata. I am just I'm amazed. Absolutely amazed at this that this it's like it only Things took have a month um, or two. really taken strange turns for Mr. Sullivan, though. <laughs> are, are we gonna have a scientology special on him eventually i hope not i mean um, you didn't bring your e-meter to this podcast so i don't know that we can go that deep into it but i just <laughs> am saying check your thetan count that's all yeah so uh that uh was interesting i guess uh Anything else on Raw that uh, struck your fancy? No, I mean, the Ruby Riot redemption match. She's going to have an amazing face run yes. when they finally turn her. Yes, and I, I think they actually need to kind of keep doing her dirty by this audience so that this audience feels like she's getting screwed. And then eventually the Riot Squad needs to turn on her too. She needs to really start becoming an underdog. You can yeah, get I, there I, with these type of matches, but but now we need to kind of start thinking about getting her there. I actually thought the Ronda match at Elimination Chamber was too long because they gave Ruby the chance to escape and stuff. I would have liked that to have been one of those 15-second armbar tap out, and then she demands a rematch for Monday. Then it makes more sense. It's like, I wasn't ready or whatever. And then you can do this kind of weird redemption type of thing. Um, even though she doesn't need it. No. It was just... Well, I don't know. I think she they did need to build her back some. I thought the drubbing she got on Elimination Chamber necessitated some sort of rebuild because they do occupy that mid-card Healy faction thing. She needs that. Yeah, but did you, did you think they needed to rebuild her before Mania? I mean, they can wait. I mean, they have... The ability to wait. Yeah, to actually, build her because I, I they think, they did, I think her. that the loss at Chamber, the way it was structured, was bad enough that she needed a quick rebuild. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't I, think I, I not necessarily because of Mania. It, this would have been true at any time of the year, but yeah, I think she actually needs a quick rebuild. I don't think they could let the loss linger. Going to SmackDown, interesting match between Andrade and Alistair Black because they had also built up. Much like the revival, they had also started to rebuild Andrade here. And then they beat him. 
thought that was uh he's very quickly becoming a jobber to the stars and this is what i was worried about with him i for some reason i, I got sick satisfaction in in uh in Zelina Vega having to watch her husband beat up her her, her, her main guy. Uh, I, I thought there might be a turn here or at least something. But, uh, yeah, I, but uh, yeah, that's the thing we didn't come up on Raw was Aleister Black, the moody Aleister Black, versus Elias, which was the wrong opponent, I thought, for an Aleister Black debut match to show off his stuff because... If you're going to use I... Elias in the context of Aleister Black, Elias needs to be standing up there, getting ready to play his song at the point of massive heat, and then all of a sudden the lights come up, Aleister Black, Black Mass, and then you bring out his other opponents. Yes, yes, just just fade. Yeah, yeah, uh, Black Mass one two three, because Elias is far bigger than Aleister Black. <laughs> And he was getting moves on Alistair Black, and Alistair Black had to had to work from underneath, which I don't think you want in a debut. I don't. No, care who Alistair it is. Black is one of these characters who needs to have mystique about him, and this is why I actually think the silent but violent, silent but violent, a little bit of that initial Undertaker push where he comes out and just annihilates people. In, in and it's all about the entrance. You get over the entrance. It's got to be all about the entrance. Yeah, and he shouldn't have cut a promo his first week either. No. He just should have kept his mouth shut, go in there, kick a dude in the face, pin him, leave. Yeah, and uh, who knows what's going on with now Andrade. I guess they're going to rebuild him back for the Ray feud, but uh, there are other guys they could have beat, I thought. But uh, they had, And they brought up the NXT feud. I'm just like, yeah, but this isn't the NXT match. So it, it was No, it was and that doesn't cast this match in a favorable light either. No. Uh, we went over the bar and uh, and Gargano and Champa. Another good match. Uh, they're gonna do. They're gonna do a re. re I, I actually thought they might do Gargano and Champa versus the Usos and have them beat both champs in two nights. That would have been interesting to me. It would have been interesting to have Gargano and Champa jump Shane and Miz. That too. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna rerun this in Cleveland with. Mrs. Dad in the front row. I have come to a conclusion, and I, I love this gimmick because I think it's right up your alley. Miz is a heel who is a really bad baby face. It's it's almost a John Tatum esque character. Yes, right, right, right. He's trying to be a baby face right now as best but he, he can. Sucks at it. But he sucks at it because you no, know, he's very Hollywood John Tatum right now. Oh, by the way, you can hear that episode at patreon.com slash shake them ropes if you you joined this weekend as I asked. Not enough. But a lot of you so did. So we, we uh, hurt the show is what we did. We didn't kill it. We didn't send it to heaven, but I did take no. it out back with a tire iron and showed yeah. its kneecaps what for. Yeah, you clobershard it. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I threw a stapler at its head. Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. That That's another thing at Elimination Chamber. I thought Shane was going to die. That dude was blown up when they made him jump over the table, and I thought he wasn't going to make it. 
because he is just too old to be doing this. And you know what? The Elimination Chamber spot, I think, throws a monkey wrench in our John Tatum-esque theory because that spot at Elimination Chamber was pure babyface. And the fact that there was no swerve there after the match was weird. Oh, no. I thought it was great because he dedicates the match to his unborn child and his wife, and he promptly goes out there and loses. Right. No, I, I like I, that, I, but then he doesn't turn. Like, like the, the, yeah. Yeah. No, I. Oh, it, no. It, that's coming in Cleveland. That's coming in Cleveland, I think. I think so. I, I, I hope he, like, screams at his dad, too. I, I hope we get, like, a really good The Miz Dad spot. And I'm going to give Miz a little bit more credit. I absolutely loved his acting job when he. He's exhaustedly trying to turn over the Uso to pin him. Yeah. And then, he gets caught, and then when he gets caught for the pin, you can see he's still exhausted at one. But at two, he realizes he's in trouble. And he's trying to trying to weasel out of there. And I, just, I love that entire part of the performance. The I, Miz I, I really has really grown that, on me in the last three or four years. I think he gets better with age i i think that he understands how to storytell the way this company wants to do it but like takes mediocre and makes it better than mediocre routinely he's a great character he's not necessarily the best wrestler in the world but he knows his character so well that it makes up for his you know work rate failings if he has any i i I don't adore his matches, right? But I like his stories, and I like the way he does promos, and his backstage stuff is usually funny, and he finds interesting ways to refresh this character. He's a really good actor. Yeah, he's a really good actor. actor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we're going to get a rerun of that. And then, uh, oh, Ricochet and Eric Young. Fine match. Hey, Eric Young's still in this company. Remember Eli? This this was the role he was uh, he was brought into play, so I'm happy with that. I I am too. It's nice to see Sanity back. I would have liked to see Nikki Cross come back at some point with Sanity, but uh, I'll take what I can get. I think they deserve more screen time. I mean, I know Alexander Wolf could use some more work in the ring, and I think he he's always had potential. So you know, give him a few matches down here. I mean, have Ricochet go through all of Sanity. I, I'm, Killian I'm, I'm Dane is a guy who Killian is horribly Dane. underutilized. Yes. Send him over I, I, to NXT UK, to be honest. Yeah, I was saying that. Or maybe even all of Sanity go that over That would there. be awesome. That, that would actually shake up that program a little bit, too. Take out Gallus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could be, no, that would be fun. I'm into that. I'm into that. Because I could kind of shake up Walter, dude. too. And Walter yeah. contrasted against Sanity, the, the very stoic, menacing Walter against the very chaotic Sanity. I like that. I'm into this. I think we're going to have a fast lane opponent for Asuka and Mandy Rose. Yeah. Um, Mandy's improved. <laughs> I, I don't have much to add beyond that. I, she is what she is. Uh, she's certainly she is what she is. She's putting on serious bicep tone. Is what I'm noticing. Like she's she's oh, really yeah. bulking up in the shoulders and arms. She's she's uh, yeah she's she's uh, learned how to bodybuild more than just be athletic. So it, it's and it's showing. I, I'm still trying to get over Corey being a little bit over the top with her given. Given Corey's weekend, I'm still a little, still a little skeeved out by all that. Yeah, there's a lot of dot connecting giving 
Corey's weekend, we can look at a lot of past behaviors on an off-air the last six months ago. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so um, if you don't know that, that's what Google's for, kids. We don't deal in the rumor and innuendo department here. Uh, Other than then, obliquely, uh, I guess. Yes. And then and then uh, Kofi becomes the number one contender by virtue of pinning Daniel Bryan in the six-person tag. Uh yeah, and and I, I don't know what they're doing with the new day here, but it's it feels like they're doing something. I don't know quite yet. It's kind of like Xavier's kind of being the hype man, and Big E is supportive, but it it, it was the weird. Big was E little... turn would be an interesting wrinkle here coming out of. I think so. This would be the Big E turn coming out of Fastlane would be very interesting. Perhaps after the match, he attacks Xavier and Big E, or I'm sorry. After the match, he attacks Kofi and Xavier. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it. I think they make too much money. as. Yeah, that's what I, I was saying that, too, because I, I was kicking around. I was like, no, you know, the thing with the New Day and breaking up the New Day and putting Kofi solo and having him do a title run is that the New Day is too big of a deal, and I'm just having a hard time getting my imagination to go to Kofi as world champion and keeping the New Day act together. But overall, for the NXT guys, I was I was hopeful the first hour of Raw. By the end of Raw, I was despondent. And by the end of SmackDown, I was like, no, they got something here. They figured out some things. Because with the NXT debut, they, they gave them video packages, which was a good thing. They gave them corporate speak for the intros. That was a bad thing. So, so you're getting kind of 50-50 here in terms of good and bad with these new guys, as opposed to... And you always have to compare it to the other NXT call-ups, and you have a class full of six people who you've done nothing with. So it's an improvement on that, at least. They were made to look like stars. You you can... I give it a B. I give it a solid B, and I give it probably an A- minus for Ricochet. Yes. So let's go item by item because I'm a little more bearish, but but that's only because I'm going item by item here. Ricochet, clearly a strong ad. Ricochet's a guy who can come up tomorrow and yeah, they were going to have him in the mix to do something down in NXT, but whatever, just blow it off and do something else. Velveteen Dream, it's his time. But Alistair Black, I think they mishandled the launch on this. They overexposed him a little bit with Elias. I think they can get it back on track, but this is not how I would have brought him up. I found the Johnny and Tommaso thing to be jarring, and I didn't think they helped the revival, so I thought that was a bit of a swing and a miss. Even though I love Johnny and Tommaso, and I thought the match was good. It's not like they became bad wrestlers or anything. This was just a very weird chapter to start the story on, as I said before. What worries me is how we are handling the people who were called up right before this. Lacey Evans with her coming out and walking around gimmick. I don't like that. I think that heavy machinery has become completely overburdened with catchphrases and generic gimmicks that don't mean anything. Took it! Yeah, you're my brother, I'm your brother, we're going to be brothers. It's like, when, when they're saying that, you're already expecting a heel turn at some point. It's like, this is week one. I haven't even really seen you guys work in the ring outside of a couple of matches here on Raw. Uh, and then EC3, I think, has been a real loser in the shuffle here. So, I think it's been a real mixed bag, trending negative, but Ricochet is a clear positive. Okay, I'm going to push back a bit. I thought Ricochet had good showings on both shows. I agree. I thought Alistair Black, I thought Alistair Black had a middling 
effort on Raw, but I thought they kind of addressed the weaknesses on SmackDown a bit. And I thought uh, I thought Ciampa and Gargano, while the while the messages were weird, the match got over, especially against the Bar. They were getting DIY chants that were noticeable, and they had a great match on Raw and got put over by the champs. I I think that's a solid B there. I I'd say. But what does that C- do for NXT? Is what I'm saying. It it, it just I, creates too many. It creates more questions than answers, or and questions that have weird answers or don't lend themselves to obvious nah, easy outs. NXT, that's my knock. NXT is going to be fine. I NXT know. Is the, the, next man right, up. right. They're going to do Velveteen Dream next. I, I, I know. I know where we're going on NXT. They'll be. They will be fine. But I just want the Champa Gargano story finished, or at least brought to some sort of close on the chapter. And they're in mid chapter right now. So I don't like the timing on this. Oh, okay. I, I'd I'd be fine with them just cutting off the story altogether, and saying okay, or finishing it on on the main roster. They I don't. Do that. I don't feel like this story finishes on the main roster. I think that there's still, the story still rotates around the title. I I don't want to do an extended breakdown of. I mean, I guess we could do that. That is technically what Shake Them Ropes is for. But we can pick that up also <laughs> here on the next episode of Shake Them Ropes because we are coming up on our unofficial time limit. It's a golem thing. So yeah, it it revolves around the title. I understand your concerns. I I think they're correct in some ways. You should think they're correct in all ways. Well. I, I, I I also think of the business aspect to it, and if Vince is just going to move on, he's going to move on, and you got to deal with that. So we'll see. I, I we still don't know if these call ups are permanent. Who's on what show? It seems like well, if they're a not permanent, people... then I really don't like it. If they're not permanent, then I think it's just a weird placeholder thing, and it's weird to do that with your NXT champion. Well, Chris, think about this. Right now, floating between both shows, we have Lacey, Heavy Machinery. Nikki Cross, EC3, Ricochet, Gargano, Ciampa, Aleister Black, and the women's tag champs. I'm thinking that there's a possibility that this brand split may be over fairly quickly. Yeah, I think that's right. Holders. Yeah, I think there's going to be two different shows, and I think you're going to start seeing people rotating back and forth to consolidate talent. Once again, if you like extra audio content, www.patreon.com slash shake them ropes for as little as a dollar. We have four shows up there, including Rob McCarron, who stiffed me this week doing Shake Them Ropes Theater. Uh, <laughs> uh, our Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler uh, retrospective. Our live watch of a episode of, of World Class Championship Wrestling. There's one more, and I can't remember what it was. Chris, there is the episode about the Great Muda and oh. Shinsei Jinsaki. Yes, who I believe is performing fairly soon. Or I'm sorry, uh, Jinsei Shinsaki. I got his name backwards. Shinsaki. Yes, yes. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes and get all the episodes that way. Chris, it is time for you to go down your other podcasts for the people. 
Absolutely. If you are interested in following all the going-ons in the 2020 primaries, and potentially both primaries, you can find all of that coverage over at Don'tWorry.tv and on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Don't Worry About the Government, Don'tWorry.tv. My other other show is the All in the Family podcast. We're going to tape another episode here on Sunday, so look for that sometime next week. Go to the theallinthefamilypodcast.com. I apologize for the Klobuchar joke. I, I try not to make this political. It's terrible. <laughs> the joke, not not the comment. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.